Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We want to talk today about two, two things in our state that have had a history of financial trouble. They both have uh, both struggles and promise, and we're seeing a little bit of a different outcome for both of them. We want to start with Detroit Public Schools Community District, which was under state management for more than a decade. And then we want to talk about the city of Flint, of course, where the dramatic water crisis has unfolded and where financial problems are mounting again. But let's start with Detroit. Dr. Nikolai Vitti has has been at the helm of Detroit schools as the district superintendent since 2017. He was appointed to the position after almost that decade of state control over the district. His effort to turn around the cash strap district has been an uphill battle to be sure, but for the first time in years, the district's test scores indicate that it's moving in the right direction. Here to talk with me about Detroit's public education landscape is Dr. Nikolai Vitti. Welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Great to be back. Yes, it's always great to see you. Um, so uh, let's start with a few months ago, MSTEP scores were released for students across the state, and that showed a significant improvement for students here in Detroit. Talk about what that improvement was and what you think it reflects about your efforts to reform the district. Sure. Well, it was exciting to see. Uh, so we're going now into our third full school year, this being the third, and uh, last year, when MSTEP results were released, we showed improvement in every area uh, from third to seventh grade, which is tested in math and, and English language arts. Uh, an improvement in at and above grade level performance, oftentimes uh, a school district like ours promotes growth. So just seeing that you went, you, you move students a grade level or two grade levels in, in, in just uh, growth. But this is actually performing at or above grade level. And not only did we see improvement in every grade level, but our improvement outpaced the state's improvement. Um, so when you look at um, all the suburban districts throughout the state, rural districts, considered high-performing district, we outperformed the state average in every grade level in every subject area. And, and then when you look at our improvement, every subgroup in our school district showed improvement. African-American students, uh, Hispanic, Latino students, English language learners, uh, those with special needs, male, female, uh, and almost 80% of our schools showed improvement. So what this tells us is we're seeing at scale improvement. It's not a you know, it's not just uh, Bates, it's not just Flicks, it's, it's all of our schools. And so that means we're seeing systemic improvement. And that's mainly linked to changing curriculum that's at or above grade level. It's more professional development. It's improving teacher salaries. We have fewer vacancies now than we've ever had before. So we're starting to become a normal school district. And, and I think people you know, that know our story, know what that means for others from the outside may think, well, you should have always been normal. But knowing how the district was run in the past, um, it's, it, it's, it's, I think, uh, encouraging for the people that have been in the system for a long time and those that have been paying attention that we're now doing the things that we should have been doing. Um, and, and, and as a result, children are benefiting from that. 
we're not high in the mountaintop saying we've arrived, let's celebrate, it's time for a parade. But what we're saying is we're improving. And that's what I what we've been saying. That's what I've been saying to our principals. Wherever we are, every year we need to see improvement. If we are able to demonstrate that, that gives confidence uh, that, that we should continue to be supported as a traditional public school system. Every indicator that one would look at is moving in the right direction. Our student enrollment is up, and it's been increasing every year. Our vacancies, we started with 275 teacher vacancies. We're down to only 60. Um, our financial status is stable, three years of a balanced budget, a, a 10% reserve, uh, a strong fund balance. Uh, so, again, no matter what you're looking at, we're moving in the right direction. And lastly, national assessments. So, again, a lot of work to do, but in fourth grade math, we saw the highest improvement among any urban school district with the exception of Denver, and that's uh, at or above grade level performance. So we've always known our children can do better. We always know our children can compete with any child uh, throughout Michigan and the country. It's all about giving them the resources and the educational services that they deserve, and we're now starting to see that. Yeah. yeah. You have been really upfront about assessing what happened here over the last decade before you you got here, the, the time during which the state was absolutely responsible for the school district, wiped out local governance, installed emergency managers, and we had several who came through Detroit over that decade. When you say that you're becoming a normal school district, I mean, you're talking about kind of decommissioning the, 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 the changes and the dramatic uh, I guess inefficiencies and things that were that were installed by the state. That's right. Um, you know, having worked in New York City, uh, large urban school districts in Florida, Department of Education in Florida, uh, having had the opportunity to visit uh, school districts throughout the country, Boston and others, uh, walking into uh, DPSCD, I saw a system. Uh, that was mismanaged. I saw a system that was not invested in, literally disinvested in, deinvested in, um, and the children suffered because of that. And when I say that, I mean every system imaginable regarding how you recruit teachers, how you train teachers, how you hold teachers and principals accountable, financial systems, uh, how you utilize dollars to align it to a strategic plan, uh, how you diagnose uh, whether children are at or above grade level and, and the resources you use to move them uh, to being at grade level. Just everything in the system, for the most part, was backwards, um, years behind. But in, in, in two full school years, we've moved rapidly and quickly to reinvest, uh, reestablish those systems and processes. And again, it's only common sense. You do right by children, they'll do right by you by demonstrating what they're capable of doing. And, that, and that's what we're starting to see. Hmm. Um, when we talk about uh, improvement in the district, there's academic, there's also financial. And I started this hour talking about how we're talking about two government entities in this state that have had real financial challenges and had state intervention. Talk about where you are with riding the financial ship in, in Detroit schools. Is it a situation uh, that is improving as well? And is it uh, the kind of situation where we still need more money to do the things that we ought to be doing for Detroit kids? Well, I, I can say with absolute confidence um, that because of the focus, intelligence, 
um, of the school board, uh, coupled with the partnership with the administration, we're moving in the right direction. And I just want to touch on that for a moment. You know, when we talk about emergency management, uh, you're talking about a governance system and structure that had no accountability at the local level. And when the board uh, was elected and empowered three years ago, uh, Detroit was lucky that it elected seven responsible, thoughtful individuals. Um, uh, you know, obviously did a national search and and I can say, you know, I'm proud and blessed to be selected as superintendent, but it's not as much about me. It's more about selecting someone with experience um, that was very serious and intentional about the reform. But in, in three years, you know, we started with a strategic plan. What did we want to accomplish and how we were going to go from here to where our children deserved? And then we aligned our budget to that. And we made a lot of hard decisions like cutting 15 to $20 million in contracts and investing in, in, in individuals in a, in a full-time basis. But in three years, balanced budget, uh, a defined reserve, a fund balance, um, and moving audit exceptions from over 16 to now only two. Um, so... Everything, you know, we continue to be heavily monitored by the federal government and the state. Every report uh, indicates that we're moving in the right direction because, again, it's about systems and processes and transparency. And we have that now. Um, but to your question, there's still a ceiling that we will hit. So we are doing a lot of things better, even doing better than a lot of uh, challenged school districts. We had. Uh, a set of 16 schools that were set to close three years ago and the partnership agreement was created. We now have been recognized as one of the fastest um, improving set of low-performing schools in, in the state of Michigan as far as at our grade level performance. So all things are moving in the right direction, but we will hit a ceiling. And, and that ceiling is about uh, a need to change the way in which schools are funded across the state of Michigan. Um, there is you know, I, I, I've been saying is let's get to equal and then let's talk about what's equitable, two different concepts. And, and we're not even at equal right now. The state of Michigan does allocate the same amount of funding per student. Uh, that was corrected with Proposition A. But what has not happened is dealing with what happens at the local level through property taxes. So property tax values create inequity in that, for example, in Wayne County, um, and you look at the 10, a 10 average uh, wealthier school districts in Wayne County, the difference per uh, year as far as what's generated locally is about $60 million. Um, and then when you take the three wealthiest uh, school districts, uh, Farmington, Gross Point, uh, and uh, Southfield, the difference is $130 million. So if you give us $60 million, 130 million, we can do a lot more with teacher salaries and probably deal with our greatest long-term issue, which is facilities. And and so we we let's get to equal, and then let's get to equitable. And and really, that's about what's fair to children. Uh, children's destiny should not be determined by the zip code that they live in. That has nothing to do with that individual child. But still, in Michigan, we allow inequity to exist, and that creates different um, opportunities for children because it is about resources. Ultimately, uh, a child, an average child in Detroit, deserves and needs more than the average child in Gross Point. Uh, I, I, it would be hard for anyone to argue against that. Um, but often we let ideology and politics get in the way with what's best for children. And there's a role that the state government has to play with creating uh, a playing field that's equal and a playing field that has rules and regulations that allow 
resources to be distributed, let's say, equally and then equitably in order to allow every child to have an opportunity. My guest is Nikolai Vidi. He is the superintendent of the Detroit Public Schools Community District. We're talking about the work that he's been doing over the last few years as the leader of our local school district here in Detroit. We're starting to see some real progress unfold on the academic front, on the financial front, after almost a decade of state oversight, which saw lots of fits and starts in terms of turning the district around, lots of things that actually deteriorated over the period of time that the state was in charge. Um, If you want to give us a call and join the conversation, tell us what questions you have for the superintendent of public schools here in Detroit. Do you have hope that DAPSCD has turned a corner after years of financial and academic failure. What changes do you think still need to happen, not only in Detroit schools, but in schools across the state? And do you think we're investing enough in education? Are we investing enough here in the city of Detroit, where Dr. Vini just said that we need more money per student than you will uh, in wealthier districts like Gross Point or Bloomfield Hills, and our state formula for distributing money still does not make sure that that happens. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Dr. Vitti, before we get to to listener comments, I want to I want to have you respond to something that Betsy DeVos, who uh, is the uh, national secretary of education, said the last time she was here in Detroit, I believe she said this. She said that there is never going to be an instance in which government oversight of schools is going to produce better outcomes than independent or private ownership or or governance of schools. And this is something that she's believed probably her entire adult life. I mean, she spent her life really crusading for that cause. But I was was still taken aback by the breadth of that statement and the boldness of that statement, this idea that public schools cannot, cannot compete with – uh, with independent schools or charter schools ever. I, I just want to have you respond to what she said and and tell us why you might think differently about that. So I have a uh, visceral reaction to that statement and, and, and always have and, and likely always will. That kind of statement is is seeded and rooted in extreme arrogance uh, and ignorance of how uh, traditional public education has lifted thousands of individuals um, out of poverty into the middle class um, during during uh, an age when certain children were not even provided education or an even even an, an equitable education and it is hard to go to any community meeting uh, today, where I don't speak to those that are in their 60s, 70s, um, that don't say DPS needs to be what it used to be. Um, that if it wasn't for DPS, I wouldn't have been an engineer. I wouldn't have been a doctor. Um, and 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 so that speaks truth to to what did exist and what we're trying to rebuild. 
But if we just go and then, you know, that, that, that's about an historical reality and truth. Uh, it doesn't mean it was good enough. It didn't mean that children didn't fall through the cracks even during those times. But at scale, it was a, a lifting um, a, a population of individuals, especially um, African-Americans, uh, l- recently r- arrived immigrants. Um, but if, if we fast forward even to today, even when the scales were tipped to favor charter schools, um, they still are not consistently outperforming traditional public schools. Now, there are good charter schools in Detroit, and I'm, and I'm going to be honest about that. But on, on, but on average, charter schools that are successful in Detroit would have educated, those ch- same children would have been educated by traditional public schools in, in what are considered more exam schools or application schools within the system. So when under emergency management, when disinvestment occurred and you had this rapid choice process with declining enrollment, declining residential rates in Detroit, really the children that left traditional public schools were of families that knew how to navigate the system, mainly working class, middle class families that that saw the disinvestment, saw the decay happening, lack of leadership, and moved their children to a different type of schools. But but we're still not talking about apples to apples when we look at who 80% of for-profit schools are supporting in Detroit versus who uh, we're supporting in traditional public education, which on average more are neighborhood kids uh, whose parents are just trying to get by that send their child to the nearest school, hoping and praying and assuming that we're going to do right by children. So to say that, you know, that private, that that the way in which we're going to lift this generation to better and uh, outcomes and opportunities through the private sector, it also ignores that the private sector doesn't even take all children. So the private sector is constantly ignoring English language learners, those with special needs. Um, so it's already catering to a, a population of children that are not struggling and are not as needy as much. Um, so really that, that kind of statement is an ideological um, statement based on what is perceived to be better on a private basis versus public. And you can't ignore that there's an anti-union sentiment with that perspective as well. Sure. Um, and, you know, continuing to take public assets for private good, um, which is also alarming and should be alarming. We've already seen this play out in Michigan. We've seen it play out in Detroit. But now that there's a national platform to possibly do this, we all need to be vigilant to understand that that voting for the next president is, is essential um, because we need new, new leadership across the board, but especially in the education space. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Nikolai Vidi, and we're going to get to your calls. Tom in Northwest Detroit, Coffee in Detroit, Amber in Detroit, hold the line. We will get to you. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This 
This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Dr. Nikolai Vitti. He is the Detroit Public Schools Community District Superintendent. We're talking about his leadership here in the district. Since 2017, we're starting to see some of the progress that he anticipated we would see once he was here, uh, both on the academic and the financial front. Of course, there are lots and lots of challenges still in front of us before we get to the space that we all want to in terms of how we perform with our public schools here in the city of Detroit. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's start with coffee in Detroit. Coffee, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Sure. I just wanted to pick up on what Dr. Feedy was saying about the historic um, kind of model of different programs that Detroit Public Schools offer. And I'm a proud graduate of Detroit Public Schools, Cass Tech. I'm a current associate professor in the School of Information Sciences at Wayne State. And one of the things that Detroit was uh, a model for was school library staffing. And uh, there used to be a high school librarian certified in high school, middle, and elementary school. And that was a national model. We've gotten so far away from that. It's not just a Detroit problem, but Michigan is only 8% of schools have a certified school librarian. And because the research shows how much of a correlation there is between having a certified school librarian with well-stocked books and resources to uh, gains in literacy and digital um, college readiness and digital literacy, that it seems like a great opportunity for Detroit to be a part of the resurgence of school libraries. We're having some... um, we have some uptick in, in terms of what we're doing at Wayne State. We prepare future school librarians, and so we have a, uh, we've seen a lot of district invest in sending their school librarians or classroom teachers back to get their school library certification. And I've been trying to make some headways in Detroit with Alicia Merriweather and writing a grant to um, pay teachers to come back and get their school library certification, which is a grant that I was a recipient of as a Detroit public school teacher. I went to get my master's in library science, and, you know, the rest is history. I went on to become a college professor, but... I just see um, I have a passion for this subject, and I just wanted to take that opportunity to let, Hmm. you know, the powers that be know that school libraries are going to be a key factor in the turnaround, and I'm happy to partner, and Wayne State has a a program ready ready to, you know, allow teachers to get that certification. Hmm. Coffee, I appreciate the call uh, and and the comments. Dr. Vitti, respond to that. The the library situation, as she points out, is not unique to Detroit, uh, but is that something that you're focused on in terms of trying to rebuild the district? So uh, our resources uh, have been invested in curriculum uh, that is uh, at uh, grade level expectations, training, and then specifically uh, in improving teacher salaries. So we've improved teacher salaries now uh, starting in January, January when the next raise will take into effect uh, on average of $10,000 uh, for teachers in the system. Uh, we've hired full-time music, art, and PE teachers. Um, uh, we've hired deans of discipline to work with our students, guidance counselors, social workers, all full on a full-time basis rather than contracted. So the first wave of investment with our current dollars went in those areas, uh, and that was based on our strategic plan. Uh, we've invested more dollars in books uh, through the new curriculum and in for, for classroom-based libraries because we're trying to promote more independent reading and just, just natural reading. Uh, I would agree uh, with Coffee that there is a need to, to reestablish our libraries. 
Um, the next, we looked into, and it was mentioned even uh, as she said, challenges finding certified librarians. Uh, the state has very high standards regarding what is uh, it means to be a certified librarian. And so even if we funded it at this point, we wouldn't be able to find the individuals to go in those positions. But um, we, we need to keep on investing in teacher salaries. That's my main um, focus as far as the, if we are receiving additional resources. Wraparound services for children, so more access to mental uh, health support, medical, dental support. Um, but interested in grant funding, separate grants, as, as Coffee mentioned, and then some adjustments to the certification for librarians, and then and then we can move in that direction. Hmm. Coffee again, thanks for the call and the comments. Let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, what's on your mind? Yeah, hi Stephen, hi uh, Dr. Vitti. You know, and I like what I see coming out with Dr. Vitti at the helm right now because I mean I was there through I know at least two emergency managers. And the emergency managers, their job was this in a nutshell, was to reduce the deficit, increase test scores, and also, you know, attract kids back to the, back to the district. They did absolutely none of those three, which Dr. Vitti has done in what, the two going on three years that he's been here. And, um, you know, and, and I, in terms of the, I guess it was on the NAEP scores and what have you, the tests that re- results were just recently uh, released, um, they were talking about the small incremental, incremental increase. I would rather see it go small than to go too big, because if you go too big, and okay, let's, let's go ahead and be real, people don't really look at Detroit with a, a non-jaundiced eye in terms of education. Mm-hmm. There would be finger-pointing and the whole nine yards. And, 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 and let me say this, and I'm going to go. Dr. Vitti, I applaud you, your staff, and also my former colleagues, for doing what you're doing with those students, and I mean, I wish you nothing but the best, and you know, you know, I, I just wish you well. <laughs> okay, Tom, I we appreciate the call. Okay, and the comments. Just uh, one point that Tom made that I really want you to respond to again, which is this idea of attracting kids back mm-hmm. to public schools and this tension that exists between the idea of where people go to school in the city of Detroit. You do have lots more competition than you did when I was a kid, for instance, growing up here in the 70s and 80s. And and as Education Secretary Betsy DeVos said, that she sees that as an either-or proposition, that, that there is not room for both kinds of schools even uh, in the city. Well, you know, one, one thing that, that we've done uh, in the last two years going on, on year three is to embrace the spirit of competition. Um, so, you know, for, for us, every about every three months, uh, I meet with principals collectively and we review a set of, of data points. We review enrollment, uh, teacher vacancies, uh, performance of students, uh, discipline-related uh, statistics, attendance, um, and and so it's all about making the quality of what we're offering children better, and that eventually uh, then trickles to parents, and then parents talk to each other. We believe that if given the time uh, to rebuild the district, given the right resources, and the political situation staying at best stable as it is right now, we will outcompete um, charter schools. Uh, I, I, I already believe that if you actually disaggregate the data and you look at Detroit charter school performance, 
uh, charter schools are open enrollment schools. So there, there is no boundaries connected to charter schools. And no, they can't, uh, like a private school, pick and choose who comes in their schools, but they have much more flexibility than, let's say, Cody High School does regarding who goes to that school. And so when you look apples to apples with charter schools and our exam and application schools, which are more about a parent opting in, we outperform those schools for the most part. So, you know, it, it's, it, if we could run a school district, which was completely opt in, then we would look and feel like charters. First of all, I would never support that because that's what makes us unique. And I think that's what makes us better. We serve all children, um, regardless of challenge. Um, and, and, and charter schools in Detroit often don't do that. So apples to apples, we're getting better. Uh, our performance is on the rise. And I believe that over time, parents will better understand it. And competition is best e- exemplified through not only performance, but enrollment. And our enrollment's improving. And we just opened up six schools. So I think one way to attract parents is to offer not only better quality education, but new and different programming. So we just opened up a a full school Montessori program at Edmondson. We brought back two neighborhood schools in Barton and Hamilton. Uh, we brought, we put the uh, Davis Aerospace program back at the city airport, and then we opened up a new uh, high school, which eventually would be a K-12 on the Mary Grove campus. I think programmatically, if we start to think out of the box and really offer parents what they want, then we can also attract students back into the school system. Again, thanks very much for the call and the comments, Tom. Let's go to Amber in Detroit. Amber, welcome to Hi, the show. Hi, thanks for... Hi, thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a proud parent at Palmer Park Prep, uh, which is a DPSCD school. Um, and, you know, it's a Montessori program. If anyone's interested in uh, checking it out, there's a bus tour this Wednesday. And it's, I'm not paid to say that. I'm just a parent. So I'm going to throw <laughs> that out there. But my question is going back to this uh discussion about inequity and in funding. And so all from my understanding, um, all of our property taxes that are listed for the schools on our tax bill are all going toward the old debt, which was largely created um, by the state. So, you know, in my interpretation of this, residents are essentially paying for the state's mismanagement of the school system. Mm -hmm. And now the funds are not going toward the DPSCD schools and all the improvements that Dr. Beattie is talking about. So especially in light of the right to literacy lawsuit happening and holding the state accountable for kind of what happened here, I'm just kind of interested in Dr. Beattie's thoughts on, you know, the likelihood of holding the state accountable and getting any existing property tax money to the current school district because Mm. it seems like, you know, it's going to be a long time under the current situation before that happens. Yes, Amber, that's an outstanding question. I'm glad you called and asked, Dr. Beattie. Yeah, thank you, um, Amber. And I think Amber is a good example of how we change the narrative uh, with DPSCD through parents. And, and parents talk to parents, and parents are the, are the best uh, refers, uh, if you will, uh, to our schools. But Amber is exactly right. So uh, all of the property taxes that are paid um, by Detroiters right now are going to pay the legacy debt. So there's two sets of debts, if you will. One is through the operating mill. Um, that is due to be paid off by 2027. That's about $450 million worth of debt. Uh, most of that was accumulated through emergency management. Uh, and then the other set of debt is linked to bonds, bonds that were issued for uh, capital improvements or facility improvements in the late 90s and um, mid-2000s, early 2000s. Um, so 
And that's 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 almost near two billion dollars, and that's not due to be paid off until 2050. So our current challenge right now, and we're seeking legal clarity through the governor's office or the attorney general's office, is that DPSTD as a new school district can bond. Um, that is it, the assumption is because we're a school district, we can bond, but we need uh, clarity on that because essentially our tax um, ability is capped as far as what the state would secure because of the legacy DPS debt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when DPSCD was created, the state uh, essentially moved DPS only to manage the debt and then used tobacco settlement funds to make up the difference between what would be generated at the local level and what is being paid through debt. So we are receiving as much as we would have received if, if there wasn't that debt. The bigger issue, though, is how do we deal with our facility challenges moving forward? We did an outside audit two years ago and found that by 2023, we'll need a $1.5 billion investment to move all of our schools to what is considered education quality. So right now, the state does not allocate one penny to any district for capital improvement, and all that is done at the local level. So the, this literacy lawsuit, as you mentioned, is, I think, a first step in trying to hold the state accountable to what happened in the past. And, and the first caller mentioned, uh, which is absolutely true, whether you look at enrollment, academic performance, or financial status, all of that went backwards under emergency management. And people have to be held accountable to what didn't happen in the past, because that's about doing right for children that were wronged in the past, but more importantly, it's doing right for children into the future. So we're hoping that one will be able to bond uh, through DPSCD. We're looking at some level of investment by the state in our facilities that were not invested in in the past. Um, and then uh, there's been an ongoing conversation at the local level regarding how businesses and philanthropy can uh, uh, work out a prob uh, work out a solution to our facilities. And then lastly, that something happened at the local level through in a bond in the future years, maybe two years from now, so that we we're dealing with three a three prong strategy. Uh, philanthropy, philanthropy and business would be one, some kind of state ownership in this problem, and lastly, a local uh, bonding effort to, to repair our facilities so uh, children can go to a building every day uh, that looks and feels like the same kind of building in suburban uh, Detroit or throughout the state of Michigan. Okay, Dr. Anthony Vitti, superintendent of the Detroit Public Schools Community District. It was really great to catch up with you. We'll have to have you back soon. Thank you. All right. Up next, we're going to take a look at what's happening in Flint from that city's perilous financial landscape to a new mayor who is being sworn in today.